Welcome to the I'm Done Apologizing podcast, where we're creating a community of women who advocate and empower. I'm Michelle, and I'm so glad you're joining us. I love to read books that focus on women's empowerment, specifically around self-help, and I'd love to share some of my favorites with my listeners. In this week's episode, I'll be discussing Sally Helgson and Marshall Goldsmith's book, How Women Rise. I'll share about the 12 habits discussed in the book and offer some personal stories and changed behaviors based on this book's information. I was first introduced to the book, How Women Rise, in a chain email about leadership. I scrolled through the email, always looking for the next great book to read, and added a few to my library wish list. I saw that How Women Rise was available for immediate checkout as an audiobook, so I downloaded it and started listening as I was walking on the treadmill that day. Less than five minutes in, and I was verbally agreeing with so many of the points, and it was only the introduction. I quickly texted a good friend and told her to add this to her ever-growing list of books. On the first page of chapter two, the authors asked questions about how folks define success, but the part that pulled me into the book was when they stated, quote, your definition of rising is always going to be personal, individual to you, end quote, and went on to say that one of the biggest holdups for women is not knowing the behaviors and habits that keep them stuck. I was curious about these habits, so I was anxious to start digging into them. As I got there, I was shocked by hearing there are 12 of them, and more shocked that I fell into more of these habits than I was prepared to acknowledge. I'm going to introduce you to the 12 habits and give some of my favorite points of the book, but there will likely be future podcast episodes on specific points, so be sure to tune in. Habit one is reluctance to claim your achievements, and while I appreciated a lot of what was in the chapter, specifically around simply saying thank you for compliments received, I found more energy in habit two chapter, expecting others to spontaneously notice and reward your contributions. In this chapter, the authors share a story about a woman who partnered with a man from another company for a fundraiser. When being interviewed for a press release, she gave credit to her male counterpart for being a great leader in their fundraiser. When the man was interviewed, he never mentioned her. As women, we expect others, usually our bosses, to know what we're working on or praise us for our accomplishments. In a recent conversation with a girlfriend, she talked about how her principal didn't recognize her significant project and achievement. I acknowledged how frustrating that may have been, then shared what I had read in this chapter. I made an agreement with her that we should both include points of pride in our regular meetings with our supervisors or bosses. It is so uncomfortable to do, but gosh, it's so important to share all the amazing things that we've done with those we report to. How will you start talking about your accomplishments or your points of pride with those who need to know? Habit three, overvaluing expertise, really hit home for me, as I'm guilty for wanting to perfect my job before moving on. We've all heard the statistics. Men apply for the jobs when they're 60% qualified, and women tend to wait until they're 100% qualified. I'd venture to say that women want to be experts at the work they do. 
Yet, this is what's keeping us in our current job rather than moving to higher levels. If you're like me, you may think that the best path to moving up is to become an expert in your area of work. It's only natural, as that's the way we've likely earned our way into the seats at the table. When we master our expertise, it tells those around us that we're perfect for the job we have, and we become indispensable to our bosses, thus making it harder to be seen for a promotion or a new job in our department. While I'm certainly no expert on this habit yet, I am learning to look at position descriptions differently or have a different sense of confidence in the work I'm tasked with. I encourage you to think about how you can do this too. Habit four, just building rather than building and leveraging relationships. And habit five, failing to enlist allies from day one, are both focused on relationships. In these chapters, the authors discuss how relationships can both be great tools and significant disadvantages for how women approach their work. Specifically, it's important as women to begin building your allyship as soon as you start a new job so you have folks around you to help support and position you as well as allow you greater visibility in your role. And once those allyships are formed, making sure to build those relationships in order to leverage advantages for you, not your office, to set up for promotions or the next job in your career path. These are some difficult things to do for women, though, because women tend to view them as self-centered or political. Men, however, know they are a two-way street and enter into transactional relationships frequently. As I reflect on these thoughts, I consider them a little bit differently. If you use the phrase of making deposits so you can make withdrawals later when talking about partners at work, you're already doing this. And... There's nothing wrong with this type of relationship. Now, you'll have to ask yourself if you're doing it for your department or for yourself. And if it's not for yourself, how do you make that shift? Habit six, putting your job before your career, talks a lot about loyalty, something I'm either great at or guilty of, depending on which way you look at it. For me, I'm loyal to a fault. After which after reading about this habit, realized it may have been holding me back from advancing. Now, couple that with wanting to be an expert in the perfection trap, that's a whole recipe for why I may not have moved along faster. And yet, it's okay, because there have been other things that have helped me along the way. While it would have been easy to start feeling guilty about how slowly I've moved along, this habit has helped me gain perspective of timing as well as how to position myself for and within future opportunities to set me up for career jobs. Habit seven is the perfection trap, which is one of the chapters I pulled from heavily for episode two of my podcast. If you haven't listened to that one yet, I strongly encourage you to take a listen after this. As I read about habit eight, the disease to please, I found myself thinking about others around me who fall into this. While I have learned over the years to not care about what others think of the work I'm doing, so long as I'm meeting expectations, exceeding where I'm able, and making a positive impact to move the position and the department forward, I'm happy with my work. Some may argue that I don't stop to cultivate relationships better, but I would argue that the relationships I've developed work well for the work I do on a daily basis. Also, 
I'd kindly ask them to go reread Habit 4. However, for my chronic pleasers out there, I know you are the ones who are constantly worried about what others think of you or your work and tend to say yes to tasks that will eat up lots of time but not benefit you professionally. Similarly to perfectionists, you have a difficult time delegating tasks as you don't want to impose upon others or let down others who have previously relied on you. To this end, the book talks about prioritizing what's most important in your work and setting boundaries for how to approach your work differently moving forward. So, I want to know, what are your priorities in work? Habit 9, minimizing, reminds me a lot of the perfection trap in Habit 7. It takes me back to a phrase I use a lot. Language is powerful, and I'm going to stick with that. And while I'm usually referring to verbal language, the body language and nonverbal language are equally as powerful. In this chapter, the authors discuss how women tend to take a seat in the back of the room or away from the table so as not to take up too much space. They shrink physically and with all of their belongings when in large meetings and wanting to make space for others. Or they use words like just or only to minimize their thoughts. To me, this screamed apologizing behaviors as I read the chapter. And if you don't know my thoughts on this, check out episode one. Habit 10 is too much, and is something I have heard regularly from women around me. The authors discuss the ideas that women are too much emotion, too many words, and too much disclosure. And while reading this, I brought up a lot of emotions mostly anger and frustration, and I realize that we as women will continue to have to navigate how we express our feelings as a continued part of our professional journey. Similar to the discussions I've had with women about apologizing behavior, this one takes a lot of self-reflection and actualization, so if you're already good at that, this one, now that it's on your radar, may become a bit easier for you. But if you struggle in this area, this will be a skill set you'll continue to need to work on, pulling in members of your hype squad when appropriate, and continuing to adjust and readjust depending on your audience. Habit 11, ruminating, can sometimes be seen as reflective. Reflecting on what went wrong, reflecting on what their role was in the situation, or how they could have done something differently. And dang it, if I don't fit there completely. The authors talk about being stuck and spending time in a negative headspace when in this habit, with a correlation to depression. Many women spend an agonizing amount of time trying to understand where they went wrong, how they failed, or what is wrong with them, while many times it has nothing to do with them. In fact, as the authors put it, men move on. Once women are able to do so, whether moving on to a new job, a new role, or simply a new mindset, they find themselves in a much better place. And the final habit, habit 12, letting your radar distract you, focuses on letting go of how others show up in a space that you feel may have been impacted by you. Now, let me share an example. Have you ever presented an idea in a meeting which got way less enthusiasm than you thought it would? Maybe you start down the rabbit hole or ruminate over why folks aren't enthusiastic about this idea. It's great. It's on point for the strategic plan of your department. 
has the ability to make work much more efficient and is in front of the career standards. Yet you didn't get a favorable response. What you didn't know is that the meeting half the group had been in uh, just a little bit earlier was still distracting them in the current meeting. But your radar tells you that the idea you presented was not impactful. This is what the authors are describing in this habit. If you're intuitive at all, this will be a difficult one for you to work on. But remember, it's not about you in these situations. This book has easily become one of my favorites as there are so many awesome points and examples that women can take away. You may not be looking for promotion or to move on to a new job, but the habits offered you a different way to approach their day-to-day work. So when you are ready or when there becomes a promotion opportunity, you're well on your way to landing it. If you've enjoyed this content, first, I strongly encourage a read or listen as I've only scratched the surface here. But also, I encourage you to take a moment to do some reflecting on these habits. Listen to the podcast a second or third time and think about how you'll naturally want to resist the change. Change is tough for most of us, but when we allow ourselves the self-reflection and the work, it's a mighty powerful tool. And my friend, you're worth becoming the very best version of you. You got this. Thank you for coming along on this journey with me. If you enjoy this topic and know other women who will benefit from this conversation, please pass this along to them. I would also be most appreciative if you hit the subscribe button on your Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to join me on Instagram at at done.apologizing. Thank you for listening, and remember, you are fabulous. You are a badass. You got this, and I'm here for you.